Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line here in our remote studio, the virtual world. Matt, how are you doing this lovely Monday? Oh, not too bad. How about yourself, Justin? I'm doing pretty good. Had a weekend, actually stayed at home this weekend. I didn't get up to too much, but made the best of it. The weather was decent. So uh, it's all about just playing with the kiddos and trying to get creative, Matt. So, uh, but all in all, you know, I'm doing well. What about you? You had a good weekend? Yeah, hanging in there. Got to, uh, we celebrated my father-in-law's birthday with some Lupe Tortilla we went and picked up. So nice, nice. That was some delicious eating. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, you know, pretty much stayed in and has, you know, kept our space as we're supposed to do. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're, hanging in there and just kind of taking it day by day. And for all the listeners out there, we certainly appreciate the support and hopefully everyone's families and friends are faring well through the chaos. And, uh, you know, but again, Matt, it's, it's thankfully for technology, we continue to do a a lot of what we do best. And I think for us, it's relaying quality technical drilling fluid information, uh, to the world. And so the show must go on, uh, Matt, what would you like to talk about today? Well, I wanted to get into something that I probably don't have entirely sorted out myself, but there's some other fluids that we don't really get into. And specifically, I'm talking about air drilling. Mm -hmm. Um, I think most of us, you know, even on rigs where they drill, you know, surface with air, um, there's no mud engineer out there. So for, for the most part, we don't really have any idea what's going on. So I tried to do a little bit of homework, and Justin, I know you've been around this a little bit, and and kind of shed some light on uh, air drilling, what we mean by that, some of the concepts, uh, just to get everybody up to speed. Yeah, most definitely. And, and like I'd mentioned just before we got recording here, it's, uh, you know, in Canada, I hadn't really been exposed to it much, but then my first stint of working in the US was up in the Marcellus back in the day when it was just kicking off. And uh, it was interesting because, you know, the, the method up there uh, at the time, and, and it sounds like it still is, would, you know, you'd, you'd air drill down to uh, roughly a round kickoff point, and then they would, uh, what they call, load the hole with synthetic. And, um, you know, I think since then it's changed. I think people have, you know, there's, there's been different things that have happened, but, but ultimately, yeah, air drilling to a certain depth and then putting actual fluid in the hole. And so that was new to me, but uh, as things went along, it, uh, it, it sort of began to sunk in. And, and there's actually, you know, there's, there's a certain way of doing it. There's certain products and things like that, that, that are applied. Um, but for Matt, the folks that hadn't really been exposed to it much and who are curious of what it is, uh, let's go ahead and describe it, Matt. And if you could, please. So in essence, it is drilling with a gas or a gas laden liquid instead of what you say, your typical mud or, or liquid. So, uh, one of the things that I've noticed whenever I talk about air drilling is, um, the definition is pretty loose in as much as, you know, I initially thought, oh, air drilling is just with, you know, circulating air as fast as you can. Um, and then over time I learned about, you know, misting and foaming and, um, even aerated mud, which I was on an aerated mud job and 
they said we were drilling with air and I didn't quite understand because we were still out there running mud. But um, we'll try and draw out some of those distinctions. Um, you know, so in fact, when they say air drilling, a lot of times it could be nitrogen. Uh, and, and a lot of the reasons, uh, some of them are associated with corrosion uh, in that nitrogen's inert. Uh, the other thing is, if you were just drilling with air, for example, and you're circulating just gas, you generate a lot of heat and dust can be explosive. Uh, you know, you hear about grain elevators catching on fire and, and that sort of thing. Um, and so, uh, nitrogen as compared to air, since it doesn't have oxygen in it, isn't explosive. Um, but that being said, these fluids offer a really fast rate of penetration. You know, some, some folks will claim three to five times faster. Uh, and it's basically because you get the solids out right away. Um, so, you know, fast rate of penetration is, is definitely the story. Um, you know, you're, you're typically going to find this in fairly hard rock formations. Um, you might not use a bit, you could, but, uh, it could be an air hammer something along those lines. Um, and even the well control equipment's a little bit different just because, um, you're circulating gas or a gas laden fluid. So typically you're using, or you're going to have some form of rotating head. Um, if you take a gas flow, for example, you divert it and flare it. There's there could be BOP equipment with some of these, you know, more liquid laden fluids. Mm -hmm. Um, but well control is even a little different. So in general, if you're going to do one of the, this type of drilling, you'll do it on a rig that's typically kitted out to do it. So up in the Northeast, it's, it's the surface surface hole traditionally. And a lot of that stuff is pretty straightforward. So you get the rig out there, you batch drill those. And really the only reason that you need mud out there is when they run that casing interval, they'll actually load the hole with um, the mud that you're going to drill ahead with as a suspension fluid. And then you'll come back with a conventional rotary rig and um, go ahead and drill the lateral, which sometimes those laterals can be quite long up there. Yeah, no, that, that's for sure. And so, uh, you know, Matt, what like you kind of touched on it, but what kind of risks would be associated if you don't have an actual fluid that's circulating in the hole? Because that's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, you know, when I thought of it, I was like, well, certainly, you know, things like stuck pipe or, you know, um, you know, just like maybe torque and drag. Can, can you kind of touch on some of the risks and, and how we actually de-risk stuff like this? Well, a big thing is hole erosion and collapse, which could result in stuck pipe. It could result in a number of other things where, if you don't have very stable uh, sections that you're drilling through and they might fall in on you, you don't have any mud weight to keep them open. You know, part of the draw with air drilling is that, or, or an air laden fluid is that I can have a much lower ECD than a, a water-based mud or an oil-based mud. And so that can help minimize the risk of losses, for example, but it also isn't going to do much to keep the hole open. Um, so not to say that you couldn't, for example, build angle in this. I know up in the Northeast, some folks do. Um, but you still run the risk of getting stuck just from, you know, you have one unconsolidated formation and it collapses or, um, destabilizes something and something above it falls. Um, and then even from a fluid loss control, uh, let's say that you do have a reactive clay that you drill through and it gets just a little bit wet, or there's a little bit of water. Um, you have no filter cake, right? You don't have anything really tightening things up, at least just strictly with air. And so, uh, in, in that case, uh, you run some risks as well. So 
these formations, as mentioned, it's typically going to be fairly hard rock and it's going to be typically stable, not a ton of water, not a lot of fluids necessarily trapped within that are going to flow on you. Um, because anywhere you're going to need mud weight to address something, uh, is going to kind of dictate, you, you may start with air and find out you have to displace pretty quickly. Mm. Um, so those are some of the risks. And, and of course, um, I don't want to overlook, uh, corrosion for sure is a huge issue. So we don't, you know, most of the time a mud company isn't providing the chemistry here, but what you find is that, you know, where they make their money on the chemical side is corrosion inhibitors and, and, you know, foaming agents, a lot, some of the additives you might use, uh, are, are critical for the operation. And they're that that's where kind of mud chemistry at least could relate. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And and there's always risk involved with whatever fluid that you're using or, you know, any type of operation. And so it's just, again, being aware of it in the pre-planning stages, talking with the engineers and, and really knowing what to, to, what to look for. And, and Matt, what would you say, you know, if we're air drilling, uh, what kind of responsibilities do we have as a mud engineer on location? Because you're, you're, you're not doing your typical mud check, right? Like, and I, to be honest, like when I was up there, I, I don't quite remember. And so I'd have to look back but but i don't recall doing much except for inventory management um and and if there were tests and stuff like that i I just don't remember but what i mean can you touch a little bit on on what we would do from that perspective yeah i mean in all likelihood exactly what you described um you know a a lot of the uh, uh it's assuming that you've got relatively benign formations and so there's not much you can do to treat um most of the conditions uh for example with the air, the gas are circulating would involve getting dust out of it or, or cleaning it up. Um, and so, uh, even the, you know, the chemical additives, it's injected at this rate with a precision pump that goes into, you know, some sort of injection line. So that's, you know, for the most part, there's not a lot of action if you're a mud engineer. And, and most of the time, if you're a mud engineer, you're probably waiting to get to the next section. You're just out there, um, in advance of, of moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you, you know, there, there's not a ton, although I will say that we've been asked a number of times to help with concerns about corrosion control. Um, just because it is such an issue, uh, the, you know, the challenge is that we're not typically equipped to figure out, okay, if you inject, if you spray this chemical in your gas at this rate, it's going to provide this level of mitigation. Um, you know, we're, we're good at monitoring and, and doing some of the typical corrosion protection program stuff, but they're typically, um, you know, not gas laden fluids. So mm-hmm. we certainly can help when there's a problem. And I've, I've definitely tried to, you know, chip in our perspective on things, but at the same time, um, it's, it's a different cat, which I think is why so many of us are, are fairly limited in our our knowledge on is where we've never been on the rig when it was happening. Um, and if we were, we were busy getting ready for something else. Right. No, that makes absolute sense. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, like products or, or, or actually things that we could potentially add. I mean, cause when we say air, uh, there's other things involved and you, you spoke on it just a little bit, but, uh, talking about the first one, uh, air or, or dust, can you talk about sort of what that looks like? Sure. It's, it's the most basic. Uh, it's basically dry or next to, you know, no water. So, um, typically this is going to be as simple as it says, it's probably going to be nitrogen. 
There may be a little bit of mist added for dust control, but it's expected that you're not going to encounter any water downhole. Mm-hmm. Um, and and basically what you have is you're you're grinding this stuff up, so you're just circulating dust back up to surface. Um, so uh, the only thing that uh, is typically you know something to think about is um, there there's nothing you're probably going to add to the gas itself. It's it's probably uh, they'll treat the gas and try and make sure it's cool enough to go back down holes. So you're not circulating continuously hotter and hotter air. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, on that front, there's, there's usually, these are tend to be pretty basic. I don't know if poor boy is the right description, but they're, they're very basic operations. Um, so there, there's not a, a ton to them when you're just circulating gas. Sure. You know, simple is easy sometimes. So, uh, what about mist? You hear a lot about mist drilling. Can you touch on that? So this is where you may see a little bit of water, um, and and in all likelihood you're going to introduce some. Uh, so misting, you you may mist up with. Um, uh, you'll add a little bit of surfactant in there. Um, you you've got to use a as you add liquid, you have to circulate at a much higher rate. So think about these compressors. Um, but you're actually going to wet the borehole a little bit. Since you're going to have you're misting, you're you're going to add some corrosion protection um, with respect to filming, uh, and that can be through a couple of different things. That mist could be using good corrosion control practices, like you know um, higher pH. But in all likelihood, there's going to be a filming surfactant or or some sort of uh, corrosion filming agent uh, to assist with that. Um, but uh, I think. You know, I mentioned earlier the risk of fire. Adding adding mist um, or even just a little bit of liquid helps control that dust and and limits that risk of combustion. Um, so obviously, that's it's sort of attractive. It's not the same thing as air, but it's pretty darn close. Gotcha. And then there's the next level, which is gets a little bit leans more into maybe the drilling fluid world, uh, and that's what we what we hear uh, is foam drilling. And basically it's, it is what it sounds like. And it's not, uh, like, you know, is it, is it similar to the foam that we see at the foam parties in Cancun? Is is that, is that some real relatable? That is as relatable as it gets when you're talking about what's called a a stable foam. So there's, there's two different kinds of foams. Um, a stiff foam is, is a bit more rigid, but a a stable foam is, is your foam party. Um, (laughs) And if you just think about it, as you circulate that, you should be able to, um, you know, carry some material up. Um, obviously, it's it's wetting everything. Um, tends to tolerate water a little bit better, um, and uh, you know, great for some of those high loss circulation circulation risk areas. Um, and you know, you're adding surfactant. You're probably adding some corrosion inhibitor. Uh, what you inject to actually create the foam is probably nitrogen still, although um, it could be air. Um, and then stiff foam may actually have some other, it could actually have things like bentonite and uh, other things that kind of make the foam more rigid and more, um, more uh, I don't know if stable is the right word, but um, offers better suspension. And, th- and that's really intended for, let's say you have a really large hole size and you can't, circulate very fast um that's going to be the driver but the thing with foams in general is this stuff's going to come around a surface and it's not like you can treat it and reuse it so okay all those chemicals you're adding and kind of run up your cost um 
And so I think you're more likely to see this with like coiled tubing in a workover or something where uh, you're not going to have a huge fluid volume in the first place. And you're just trying to, you know, clean out some sand or, or do something like that. Um, but it may not be as common for full-on drilling operations. Ah, interesting. Okay. Uh, and what about aerated mud? That's not something that I'm very familiar with, but that's certainly there's an application for that. What is it, What exactly is aerated mud? So aerated mud is exactly like it sounds. So at the standpipe, they'll inject usually nitrogen again, um, but your mud is regular mud. So all they're doing is keeping bubbles in it. Uh, think about your little aquarium pump. Um, where it's just continually injecting that into the fluid. Um, and so I actually, out in West Texas, I was on a job where we did this uh, with just some KCL, and we kept a mud weight of about seven pounds per gallon by just aerating the KCL. The, the thing was, um, whenever we uh, had to trip or, or anything like that, we turned off the compressor. So we regained hydrostatic pressure and we would see losses. We just didn't see as much. Um, as we kind of went along while drilling, um, and that was supposed to minimize formation damage and do some other things. But the nice thing about aerated mud is you can do everything you want to with a regular mud. So you can, um, you know, add fluid loss control additives. You can, you can do, uh, you know, adjust the viscosity. Um, you, you have some, you have the basic mud chemical arsenal at your disposal. Um, but you know there are some other ways to keep at, to aerate mud. Um, I'd read about them. I've never heard of anybody doing this. But if if you've seen it, email us. I'd be interested to hear your experience. Where the the two other options uh, that I've read about is is basically to to continuously inject. You could run an extra casing string or like hang a, a temporary liner, um, and ba- basically like circulate all the way down um through a a like intentionally void annulus basically pump down that uh and i i mean just to me that sounds crazy so run an extra casing string just so i can aerate my mud it sounds expensive think about like the implications on a you know blot preventer um all those kinds of things it just it seems messy yeah um it you know it's interesting actually it kind of refreshing my memory talking about this i have a, fr- a good friend who is working for an operator uh here in houston that's that's drilling and i don't think they are anymore up in the peons and that's actually what they do um and it's because of the high potential for lost circulation i think um so they have and i forget what it's called there's a certain name for it but essentially they have an extra like a tiny uh casing string or like uh it's like an injection rod or something like that that they're able to actually aerate the fluid as it's coming back up to reduce hydrostatic and they can get away with um i think it was like you know in the seven and eight range like obviously below eight three but but that's something that they were doing and then they were also able to like you said control fluid loss you know rheology um and uh you know all different things that we would help to control well bore stability uh but just drilling at like a super super low mud weight to prevent losses so yeah, that that's that's something that is out there, and I don't know other than the peons anywhere here in the lower forty-eight that they do that, and there there may be, but uh, it's 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 actually you know, technology that's you know still being used, or you know, <clears throat> in different areas that that you actually need to do it. Now I say need, but 
you know, they've obviously found a way to do it uh, that makes uh, makes sense from an economic standpoint. So uh, there's just a lot of different ways to, you know, use aerated fluids or, you know, air type of fluids. Uh, Matt, is there any other like type, you know, any other category within the air drilling sector or have we touched on them all? Those are all the ones I would say generally that I, I can speak to. It's I mean, when you hear air drilling and then you hear about all these different flavors, it's kind of one of those where these seem to be the the irony was doing this research. Pretty much everybody says almost the exact same thing in the same way where I don't know if they just found one guy and like stole all of, you know, his or her notes. But (laughs) it it was just like, dude, you guys are like reading off each other's stuff and just rewrite It, it was it was fairly interesting that everyone's sort of consistently saying the same thing. And I don't know if that's because, you know, there's a a trade group that's, you know, clearly defined this or if it's just, this is all we have to say, but I'm not aware of any other um, distinctions in this particular discipline where you're, you know, continually injecting. Um, I know we've talked about it and we'll definitely do an, an episode on Afrons, but we can, we can talk about that someday, but, um, I think with respect to, you know, proper air drilling, um, you know, I, I think, I think we've covered those categories. Perfect. So when it comes to planning, uh, if this is something that is of interest for whoever may plan on using something like this, what what are some of the reasons we wouldn't want to, or some of some of the risks involved to, to kind of deviate from maybe heading in that direction? Can you, what would you consider? I mean, I, I think it's, it goes back to some of those cost of ownership things. Uh, and, and I think like up in the Northeast, it's a great example where they've got the formations for it. They can send out a rig or they can, they can equip quickly because they know exactly what they need to do. It's not that intensive, but, um, you know, for just air drilling or mist drilling, you know, it could take up to six compressors out on location. Um, others that, you know, foam and that sort of thing where you keep it entrained, it's, uh, it requires less, but it, I remember on the aerated mud job I was on, you know, yeah, it was only one compressor. It was also the size of a shipping container and, you know, it needed to be up close to the rig because they were injecting into the standpipe. There were all these extra lines. You got to get rigged up, you know, those kinds of things. And so it's just got to, you know, the faster ROP and some of those benefits have to be pretty clear. Um, and then, you know, it's that total ownership. It's the equi- it's the rental on the equipment. How long you're going to be out there? Uh, do I have any risk, unstable formations? Am I at risk of taking a flow? Because well control is totally different under these circumstances. Um, you know, what are the chemicals I do have to add for foaming or corrosion control or that sort of thing? Um, and so I think there's, um, I, I think where it finds its place, the economics are, are obvious. Uh, or, or, you know, people catch onto it pretty quick and hold on to it. I think, uh, in the areas where it's not used, I suspect they tried it and it didn't work just because it requires a pretty big commitment, um, to get it all going. And if, if it doesn't work once, they're, they're probably not going to go after it again. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Uh, Matt, I, I don't really have too many other questions. You know, I think we've touched on most aspects, but I encourage the listeners out there, if, if you're familiar with it and there's something that you want us to elaborate on or even supplement with some of the information that we've talked about we certainly would love to hear from you uh you can hit us up on linkedin or at the flowline podcast at aesfluids.com uh matt any closing last words for the aerated mud world 
Uh, no, I mean, this is just something I was really curious about. I have very limited exposure to it. Uh, so I tried to do some homework. I hope you find it informative, but if, if you have something you contribute, we can do a, a part two or a supplement. Um, I'd love to hear it, but otherwise thanks for listening and y'all take care. Awesome. Appreciate it, everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.